welcome to a special edition of Beckham's Basement. Following is a um, a cautionary tale of a German giant who has collapsed in the last five years, who in my lifetime and probably yours has always been a staple of the Bundesliga. They finished second a number of times. They've also won almost 10 German championships in their history, and that is FC Schalke Nufia. So the club that is arch rivals with Borussia Dortmund and also a very close rival to Bayern Munich. It was just five short years ago, or 2017, 2018, where Schalke finished second in the Bundesliga. They managed to qualify directly for the Champions League and made it to the knockout stage the previous season, only to fall short to Manchester City, which, despite the loss, and there was one big one in there, 7-2, to two, there's no shame in that. You know, Man City is a, is a great side. But this is a tale that we've seen all too often, uh, clubs like Bordeaux, Lyon's facing it right now. Parma in Italy, Palermo. The, the list goes on and on. Everton almost made the drop just a couple, well, the last couple of seasons in England. You've even seen clubs, obviously, like Manchester United struggle recently. Chelsea, not in relegation zone, but, but struggle nonetheless. There's countless other tales of major clubs, and even in Germany, Kaiserslautern, three-time Bundesliga champion. Stuttgart has dropped twice in the last Five, five or six years, I believe, 2015-16, they made the drop. They've dropped again since then. This season, they're having a nice rebound. But Karlsruhe, uh, Nuremberg, another um, almost double-digit time German champion. They are also perennially Bundesliga 2 uh, participants. So this is uh, two guests that I have, uh, Richard Carmen and Jack Mangan. They are... Uh, the hosts of the Shalk America podcast, and they're going to give a detailed view as to what's happened at the club, how COVID affected it, how finances have been mismanaged, how Clemens Tunis, who was in charge of the club, uh, had his scandals, and of course, um, yeah, didn't do necessarily the best for the club. Bad reinvestment, the Knabenschmiede, which was the best youth system in Germany, has kind of gone to the kind of gone to the wayside. And when they sold talent such as Manuel Noya or Leroy Sané in the past, they've always been able to replenish it. And players like Max Maia, who were supposed to be the next generation, didn't pan out. And after a transfer to England, he quickly flamed out uh, after leaving Schalke. And, of course, they lost uh, Leon Goretzka on a free. Normally, they would profit on, on these types of players and, and be able to replenish. But... We're going to take a deep dive into Schalke, and I hope that you enjoy the interview, and I hope that you um, get some good information from Richard and Jack. They're very knowledgeable in Schalke, and as a sort of a German football purist, it, it seems a little bit odd to me not to see them in the uh, the first Bundesliga table uh, week in, week out, competing in the you know within the top six. So hope you enjoy, and I will see you on the other end. All right, joining me this time are two old friends of mine from podcast years gone by. Uh, it's our first time talking to each other in, I think, maybe two or three years. Richard, Jack, how are you guys doing? Hey, doing well, mm -hmm. doing well. A blast from awesome. yesteryear. Yeah, yeah, it's been, it's, it's, been a, it's been a minute. I think the last time we actually talked, Richard, was uh, we were talking Serie A. So this is, um, this is a nice change to get back to, to Bundesliga here tonight. During COVID too, right? So yeah, it's been a while. It was during COVID. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think it was the 2021 season. It was right after, right after the uh, the, the the COVID interruption season. Mm -hmm. as well, so mm -hmm. we're talking second Bundesliga now, and uh, a club that, uh, by all counts, uh, is uh, would be considered German royalty. <laughs> I mean, they're right there uh, in terms of total championships won. I think Nuremberg and Schalke are level, uh, right behind Bayern. I think they both have either eight or nine. And uh, none of those which came during the Bundesliga era, but still you have to count what you count. And Schalke had finished second place in the Bundesliga a number of times, most recently the 2017-18 season. And that's exactly where I want to begin because this is kind of a, a, a cautionary tale of what, what can happen. Um, and I'm going to get you two gentlemen to explain to me what exactly has happened because all throughout my existence of watching football, Schalke has been uh, a force to be reckoned with in the first Bundesliga uh, seeing them relegated just a few years ago was that was even more shocking than Hamburg going down uh, before them uh, the season before them. So 
having never been relegated before in their history. So uh, Schalke, uh, 2017-18, Domenico Tedesco comes in. They finish second place, obviously distant second place to Bayern, but still second place nonetheless. They qualify for the Champions League. They win the Revere Derby against Dortmund, uh, which is a huge, huge matchup. And they the next season, they get to the Champions League knockout stage, losing only to Manchester City, which there's no shame in that in the knockout stage. Guys, what what happened after that Tedesco season in the immediate season following that? Because there was no follow-up to the domestic success, even though they did pretty well in Europe. Well, well, I think there's no shame in losing to Manchester City, but uh, we lost pretty poorly to Manchester City. So the way we <laughs> lost to Manchester City wasn't particularly pretty. But yeah, sorry, Richard, go ahead. No, no, yeah, I'm glad you said that. I was going to say that too. I was like, well, you know, for us, I think that's when, uh, like, it, we call it Tedesco time. Not only shout out to Ethan, our friend uh, with Schalke, but uh, yeah, it, you know, that, that season was a, a nice season. I think Schalke has really been in a downhill decline ever since Raul and Huntarlar left, right, the first time. And so I thought, I think this season, that season, we had high hopes with his young manager, uh, Domenico Tedesco, obviously someone who was in the same class as Julian Nagelsmann. Uh, People thought of him as a as a you know a genius in the making, and so to see what he did with Shaka got him to second place. Was it the best football at all times? I mean, Jack and I talked about on the podcast numerous times that no, it wasn't always the best. He got the results, but it didn't seem sustainable for long term. But I think the problems that happened with Shaka were in the making for a while it's with mismanagement, not only with with Tony's, but everything in the background just seemed. We weren't doing things the shock away, and it seemed like we were spending money on players that uh, players that really didn't have any kind of upside. We weren't really investing in the Kanapish media as much as we had in the past. Um, it just things, even despite that second place, it seemed like a very um, uh, a band aid on what what a bigger problem was to come. Jack, what are your thoughts on the rest of that season? I, mean, I think something that you and I talked about, Richard, during the twenty seventeen season a lot was we got kind of fortunate with where we got a lot of our goals that year. Um, there's a lot of goals from set pieces, from dead ball situations, whether penalties or corner kicks or free kick situations, you know, Daniel Calagari playing a lot of balls. Um, and so I think that sort of papered over what actually wasn't that strong of a team in certain areas, particularly in the attack. And so that, that second place may have been a little bit of a false dawn. We didn't reinforce our squad on the back end of that. And then I think we kind of got found out in the second year. Uh, under Tedesco. Um, I, I think you're also in 2017 kind of witnessing uh, the last ride of, of kind of a true like Schalke Kanapich-Mita presence in, in Leon Goretzka and Max Meyer's final seasons uh, before they both departed uh, the club uh, on free transfers, by the way. Um, another uh, theme of Schalke and contributor to their demise, especially you know with, the, with our financial situation being what it is, not capitalizing on some of those youth players over time. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't think we've seen youth products of that quality uh, since. I mean, you can make an argument that Asanoi Dryogo, currently the second division, is trending in that direction. But it's been a little bit in the wilderness with some of the guys that we've seen come through haven't quite reached that level. Um, the squad deteriorated, uh, didn't have the finances to replace people. And then I mean, the whole thing just... Um, so the, the, the following season, 2018-19, you guys, well, and, you did um, say you yeah, lost in spectacular fashion to City, but it's the knockout stage nonetheless. You guys made it to the group stage in the Champions it. League. Not every German club can can say that. It's been plenty of times where Leverkusen had a good squad, finished third, dropped down to Europa. Uh, Wolfsburg, the same. But Schalke made it through, even though they finished 14th in the league. What, so right then and there, that, that's that's kind of an exclamation point for me. You go from second to fourteenth, and there's a uh, twenty point, uh, well, actually twenty point plus point differential. And you guys in that season, twenty eighteen nineteen, were only five points off of the uh, relegation zone. So I mean, was that um, were you guys already alarmed by that point, like saying that something's not right here, or did you look at that as just you were pulling double duty in Europe and the Bundesliga, and you guys were just overmatched? I mean, it's a little bit of both, but I think certainly, like Jack said, we, we kind of thought, saw glimpses of this in that year that we finished in second place. And, and then even the seasons prior, we had been struggling to even get in the top four. Um, and so that last season, that last season under Tedesco, what we saw is a, cities, all the teams started finding this out. 
figured out how to play against us. Uh, the team started losing faith in Tedesco. We had several horrible results culminating in that Man City debacle. But we, have, we had lost to Nuremberg 4 nothing. We lost to Cotbus, uh, I think, or somebody, some other smaller teams uh, by big margins. And we're like, well, what is going on here? Uh, and at that point, you know, management decided they had to get rid of Tedesco and, and make a change. Uh, but at that point, it was already too long, too late, a little too late. And I think, you know, to Jack's point, like it, the, the reinvestment, we we spent money on, you know, guys like uh, Brielle and Bolo and wasted a lot of money on all these guys that you, I mean, 30, like 15 to 30 million euros on players that for what you're like overspending just because they're spending that kind of money in, in England doesn't mean you're going to got to spend it in in uh in germany and i think the scouting has not as been as good as it had been previously um those years where we sustained uh top four finishes from oh, shoot man mid 90s until you know the 2014 season or so like that that's because it's good scouting good teams that kept replenishing the talent um and we're perennial you know top two finishers top three finishers because we had a really great team behind but it just seems like we we rested on our laurels for the longest times in, in recent years, and it kind of just is that year, a, everything so came to just, fruition. There's and there's obviously uh, a, a, teams a found tremendous amount of prestige. And, you know, we were lucky to get four teams at that point, but it was just a uh, membership to come. group or base in in Germany, second only to Bayern. I believe that is correct, and obviously uh, a historic, wonderful, beautiful stadium up there in Gelsenkirchen. And as you said, you know. Um, all those consecutive top four finishes between this year and that year, also eight German championships. What is there, is there um, being that there have been listed in the, 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 the Forbes list for top 25, most, most uh, valuable clubs as recently as 2016, 17, I believe. Is there, is there a money issue at Schalke? Is it, is it, is it financial or is it just, is it, is it just not hitting on prospects when you, when you bring them in or is there, you say, Jack, you said COVID had a lot to do with it as well. So, has Schalke had a had a um, have they had trouble coming back from the COVID season? Yeah, I mean, I think COVID kind of punched us while we were down to some extent. I mean, I think towards the the, the back end of the previous decade, you were starting to see, um, you know a long period of sort of financial mismanagement catch up with the club. Um, and yeah, the people that we were spending large amounts of money on were the players that we were you know, investing in to be able to flip for a profit, anything along those lines. I mean, look at some of the signings we had towards the end, like Sebastian Rudy, I think that was like 16 million from, from Brian at the time or something along those lines. I mean, absolute, you know, bust in terms of a contributor, you know, the way you're signing, you can, you know, make money on or like I said, a player you can invest in. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's only, you know, COVID hits, there's no fans. Uh, in the stadium, providing that source of revenue. And, and yeah, it was extremely precarious for Schalke for a bit. There was, um, you know, a moment where we had to have the local state government co-sign, I think, a $40 million loan um, in order for us to uh, essentially stay solvent and, you know, get a, get a license and be, you know, financially solvent enough to, to uh, continue to compete. Um, and so when you're in a position where you're having to, like, have the local taxpayers on hook, essentially, to, uh continue the survival of your club. I mean, that, I think that speaks to um, how close we were actually coming to, to financial disaster. Um, we're making progress towards steadying that ship, but I think that also sort of um, relies upon a return to the Bundesliga sooner rather than later, or at least certainly not getting relegated and falling even further. Um, I think if we were to get relegated further down to Division Three, that would certainly be pretty disastrous for um, the financial stability going forward. So... Um, yeah, it's not just a, a matter of... Uh, Richard, when I think of the last 10 years of Schalke football, fun, a lot of uh, one guy comes to mind, and he's on this poster that's well. on my wall up here, 2014 World Champions, and it's Benedict Kovidis. And I, I say that because, to me, he always came across uh, on the national team as one of the guys that was a leader in the dressing room, but also he was the Schalke captain. And is is there also maybe a, a, a point where one could say maybe there's been a lack of leadership within within the dressing room as terms of that that central figure has has that been has that been missing or or has there been someone that stepped into i've never really thought of anyone that came in and filled his shoes per se yeah i mean obviously you know there was a there was a great 
leadership in the team that won the Pokal in 2011, 2012. You know, you had Neuer, you had Hovidis, you had Ferriman, you had, I mean, Raul, Huntelar, so many guys in that locker room. And then, you know, as years went on, it was pretty much just Hovidis and, and Ralph Ferriman, honestly. And, you know, a couple of guys would come and go. Like, Kalasinash came in for a brief spell. Huntelar came in for a brief spell. Hovidis and Ferriman were the main guys. But I think it's not only that, that the leadership was there, but it, even that was their, not, I want to say their commitment, but I want to say like everyone just started feeling like the pressure that the reinvestment, everything that's going on in the back scenes wasn't working out to their favor and the results on the pitch weren't you know coming out favorably. And so the team just struggled together. It didn't matter if they had the leadership there. I mean, Naldo was there for the 2016, 20. 2016, 2017, 2018 seasons, and you know he's great to have in the locker room. He was another big one there, but it just seemed like the the butt heads with Tedesco that second season really kind of took things to really sour. Um, Tedesco put a split between him and Naldo, him and Hovidis, um, and it just seemed like the faith in that locker room started to, just to wane, even though the, the leadership was there. It just wasn't enough. And I mean, and we've had a consistent presence of Buskins, Asamoa on the on in the on the bench there for years, it seems like. Um and it that's, that's still nothing. It's not it wasn't good enough to Okay, keep so Shaka Jack, here we go. And, we're gonna, we're gonna skip both forward the pitch um, and off the pitch. We're in twenty twenty, twenty twenty one. Overtook everything the bottom and it just, falls it out finally. too much to bear for everyone. Eighteenth place, fifteen points off of seventeenth, seventeen points off of relegation, uh nineteen points off of safety, three wins, seven draws, twenty four losses. Um, so what happened that season where that, how did it go from, you know, 12th place the year before, even that COVID rebound season, they come back or 2019, 2020, the COVID season. And then to the next year, it just completely falls out. What, what, what happened in that season, um, to make it go so badly for Schalke? I mean, the years all bleed together after a while. So, I mean, there's been such a sustained period of, of, of poor play from Schalke that, you know, over the years I forget some of the specifics. But, like, honestly, I mean, like you look at teams like, you know, Bayern, some of the teams at the top of the league, they're getting players from some of the other better teams in the league in, on the top level. Towards the end of Schalke's time in the Bundesliga, we were getting players on loan from the second division. Like, we're relying on second division talent and hoping that it can translate to the top division. So, in terms of what we can afford in our recruitment, once again, the squad was – pretty poor we started relying kind of heavily on on the youth uh system but once again not being able to generate players kind of of the quality um i think that we're sort of used to seeing and a lot of these guys regardless of how richard and i have sort of felt about some of them whether you know positively or negatively it haven't really stuck around um you know i mean the likes of like you know florian flick chen bosduan or Katushu, or any of these guys um you know a lot of these people that we've seen come through um most of them haven't worked out um and uh yeah, I think it was probably like a little bit too early for the arrival of like a Malik Chow or something along those lines. But um, the whole situation at the club, I think, just spiraled. And it, it was it was way too oppressive, I think, for the team to even, even overcome, even if we had better talent. Um, I think we had a squad that was probably deserving of being relegated at the time. But um, the mood and the energy at the club was was so negative and the weight of that was so overwhelming that, like, I mean, I don't know how a team wouldn't have collapsed under that pressure constantly. I mean, the first goal goes in. And the heads drop, and you know that you're in. So, from, Richard, there's you know, some good news in this. 2021-22 comes around. Schalke is now um, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, in a place where they are very, very unfamiliar with second Bundesliga, but they win it. They actually win the entire league to win direct promotion back to the Bundesliga. Tell me, do you have any memories about that season? I mean, you guys were the champions of the second league. Uh, looked like things were heading in the right direction. Typically, typically, when a club, especially an established one, you know, you, you, if, if you would think to yourself, now. If Darmstadt and Ingolstadt can get promoted in 2014-15 and they can both stay up at least one year and they are minuscule based on population in terms of the cities they're in, finances. There was also the talk about Darmstadt having mold in their showers when they first came to the Bundesliga. Bayern refused to play there. I can understand why. Um, I'm not kidding you. That was actually a true story. Um, Schalke is a, you know, a, a perennial Champions League or Europa League uh, <laughs> participant. They are they are rich when it comes to German football. So one would expect a direct promotion back to the first Bundesliga, back to the prime time. They would this was like their their learning lesson. They got to the second tier, 
They made it right back up. They won the league. Uh, what what were your thoughts coming out of that season? Like, did you have did you have high hopes for what was to come for last season based on what you did in the uh, second Bundesliga, the success you had? Bundesliga title, right? No, um, no. It's funny because, like, at the beginning of that season, you know, heading into the Zweite Liga, Jack and I we talked about how, like, look, every all every every Schalke fan was saying, "Oh, we're going to get promoted right back up." This is how we go. And we're like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Yeah. This is the true Super League here. Zweite Liga is difficult. Look at Hamburg. You know, Kaiserslautern was in the, in the third division at the time. St. Pauli had been there forever. Nuremberg had been there forever. So it's like, pump your brakes. Yeah, we we have the potential of coming back up." But it's not going to be easy. And then the second thing, we had no money. And so we had Roven Schroeder had to pull a miracle by pulling guys from free and for cheap uh, to, to mix match his team together in hopes that they're going to be good enough to play. We have this manager, Gramotis, uh, to lead us the way. And, and it starts off. It didn't start off all roses and, and, and peaches, right? It was uh, difficult, a lot of difficult uh, Poor results. Yeah, we had Simo Toroto scoring goals by the boatload, but really he was like the only one scoring goals at the time. Um, and Thomas Oyan was having a good season, but other than that, like it was, it was pretty much a one-trick pony that Schalke was, and we weren't we weren't consistent at all. Uh, started the season off with a loss to Hamburg, got a couple wins, but we got some bad losses to Regensburg and some other teams like that. And eventually, just before uh, just before the the Winter Palace, I think it was you know enough was enough, and Schalke was sitting like eleventh, twelfth position. Um, and not even then. I think I think it happened much later. But it, ultimately, mm-hmm. what it was is Shaka was not looking like we we're going to get promoted, and all of a sudden, Buskins took over because you know Gramosi wasn't cutting it, and we went on this fantastic run to end of season, like eight wins in a row, something crazy, and we 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 won it on the last couple of weeks of the season. So um, that season was fantastic. It was felt great that we went up because we did see you know it was great to have Simon Tarota, guys like Marius Bulter and, and Rodrigo Salas are coming to the forefront. Thomas mm-hmm. Oyan. So we had high hopes for the next year, but. There's also looking like, hey, Roven Schroeder pieced this thing together with freebies and all this other stuff. We don't know what our team's going to look like next year. We had an idea what a small, small core would be, maybe a handful of guys. But we knew a bunch of guys were going to be gone, and, and we had a lot of changes going to happen. And so all we were hoping is that, look, hey, Roven Schroeder is a genius, and so we're going to have to trust him that he's going to be able to figure it out again. Uh, but uh, – we were happy. It was the first time we, like Jack and I were talking about, it was the first time we were able to celebrate wins. Our Victory Monday, we call it our podcast after a win. Uh, we, we had yeah. so many of those. We hadn't had that in many, many years, it seemed like, because wins are hard to come by. And last that, that year was so fun just because we had a lot more wins. We, games were more competitive. Um, it was much more entertaining. Our watch-alongs were fun. So, yeah, it was a great season, and uh, there were hopes. But we were both, Jack and I, think we're like, hey, Let's be cautious on this because we got yeah, 20, we 20 wins, which led the second Bundesliga wins that season. For, you know, so you guys had transfers, you know, lost, uh, whatever it is. So, you had, you uh, had but yeah, a, we, a we were optimistic, uh, there, but, but definitely excited. Um, so, that we you, won the title. so even with that success, uh, Jack, you you were op- cautiously optimistic about going into last season's campaign, even even having won, been the best te- team in the second tier. It's tough because, I mean, I think what Richard was speaking to right at the end there was this wasn't even a, mer- a managerial change that was made at the at the Winterpause halfway through the season. Uh, we pulled the plug on Gromatsis, I think, in March with like eight or nine games remaining. Yeah. We were six in the table or something along those lines. And so like very much not looking like we were going to get promoted necessarily or, you know, or certainly not win the title. And then we just went on this pure vibes run, um, you know, with like a skeleton coaching crew and, and rattled off a bunch mm-hmm. of wins and somehow got promoted and snatched the title in the midst of it. So it wasn't, you know, necessarily that like, hey, you know, we got promoted in the course of being a dominating force all season long. Like, yeah, we were at the right end of the table, but it wasn't like the most confident you could have felt about a promotion team. Um, and the problem was we weren't able to retain some of that talent going into the next season. So, I mean, you look at, we had the emergence of Malik Chow at center back, you know, a, a young center back coming through our system who was a huge contributor to us that season. He went off and joined AC Milan, so stays in Richard's sphere of influence, fortunately for Richard, but uh, leaves, leaves mine. But um, also, you know, the likes of Koei Takura, um, mm-hmm. you know, Manchester City wouldn't really negotiate with us. There's another center back who was fantastic for right. in that season. Uh, we lost him as well. And yes, you have, you know, Simon Toronto scoring 30 goals, setting a second division goal scoring record, but a guy who's never really been able to replicate that success at the top flight, a year older as well. 
Um, you know, you, so you're looking and saying like, hey, there, there's reinforcements that we need. Um, a guy like Darko Churlinov, who came on strong late in that second division season, becoming a huge X factor for us, providing some additional offense, we lose him as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, going into the second division, handicapped once again in terms of what you can do from a financial standpoint. Um, going back into the Bundesliga with not a first-choice coaching candidate, I mean, the board was looking to get Thomas Rice going into that season, wasn't available, and so we had, you know, Frank Kramer. Uh, come in so you know less than optimal squad less than optimal transfers less than optimal coaching situation um, right and uh, it was always going to be an uphill battle for me so like i yeah optimistic that maybe we could find a way to stay up but if we're staying up we're talking about you know 15th place 14th place we're not talking about uh you know like a mid-table finish or above it's it's it's, it's basically can we survive well, and, to and your point it started off horrendously last year uh and one of the worst forwarders i can ever remember but after the Christmas break, you guys play. strung together. It was it was it was almost like this tug of war. It's like Schalke were playing for like draws. It was like we just got to keep getting points and keep getting points. I specifically remember that. I'm like, they draw every single week. Yeah, I mean, unbelievable. I was like sitting there after Christmas. It was like nil 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 one one nil nil one one. And surely, but slowly, surely, you guys were good at it too. <laughs> gaining traction. So it was like the the, the 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 clubs in front of you were getting zero points, but Schalke was getting one. And if those clubs got zero points over three weeks and you got three draws, that's three points more than you got. And you were climbing the ladder ever so slowly. And it just comes up short. I mean, just short. You guys finished with 31 points last season. That was good enough for 17th spot. You finished only two points back of the same team right now that's in third place. That was Stuttgart, who finished with 33 in the relegation spot. So, what um, was that? The strategy in the second half of the season is just to to basically get cookie crumbs and, and and make a whole cookie out of it at some point, or and why did it fall short? Why did it end up falling short at the end? You, you guys were one win away, truly, from safety. I think a lot ultimately comes, if you look in hindsight, was that uh, the management's failure to hire Rice at the early time, or <sighs> maybe the signing of Frankie Kramer, right? And there was a lot of argument going on with the management and the, and the backroom staff where Rovin Schroeder ends up leaving in the middle of the night and says, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And, we're, and we, woke, we're like, we woke up the next morning like, what? What, what just happened? Our, our savior from last year is gone. All of a sudden, just drops and leaves us. And... Kramer's out, and we're like, what's going on? And obviously, at that time, they really wanted Rice to come in there, whether Schroeder wanted that or not, who knows. But you know, when, when Rice came in, they knew that, hey, we're looking at relegation dead in the face again. We need to figure out some way to to save it off. By hook or by crook, you got to find a way. And I think the problem was they pulled the hook too too waited too long for Frankie Kramer. Probably shouldn't have hired him in the first place, right? Um, right. Considering all the moves yeah. that came out. And so, you know, what we saw is, yeah, like I said, clawing and getting draws. If you look at it, Shaka had the eighth best defense in the in the second half of the season. What would have happened if we had Rice for a little bit longer, right? Even a month a month earlier when it came in, who knows what would have happened? Um, maybe nothing. Maybe we never got it. Who knows? But the way we were playing, we were getting, we were fighting every game. It's what we were not doing under Frankie Cromer. And what we saw is the passion come back, the uh, emotion come back. The fans were, as always, you know, leading the team along the way. But that finally on the pitch, you started seeing some resemblance of the minor spirit that you know that has dri- driven Shaka through all these years. And so, yeah, unfortunately, it was a little too little too late. But uh, yeah, um, too much tension in the background with the, the manager, the sporting director, the, the the board, everything in the board has been... Here's a question uh, for you. So I, the number I'm going to spit out to uh, you is 35. That's the amount of goals scored this, last season. That's it one seems goal like there's always tension with the board average. And, and That's the, the lowest the total team, so in the been, Bundesliga last season. It's awkward to say the least. Um, if you take out the second Bundesliga season with Toroda scoring goop, goops and goops of goals, going even back to Tedesco, it was a second place finish, and said everyone said Schalke had the most boring squad in the entire league. What is what, what do you guys think is the problem with 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 scoring goals for Schalke, especially as it pertains to the the first year? Obviously, it wasn't a problem in the second, but in the first, whether it was a second place Schalke team or a seventeenth place Schalke team, it seems like putting the goal in the back of the net has actually been a massive problem, especially over the last half decade.
I think there's a lot you can say about, um, you know, the managers mm-hmm. and, and the inability to establish actually, you know, like an, an effective um, attack from sort of a philosophical standpoint. But I think, honestly, it just boils down to a lack of quality, man, which I know is, yeah. it, it's basic. But I mean, you look at some of the players we had, you know, when when Richard and I were become or when I, I should speak for myself more, but like, you know, when I was becoming a Shabbos supporter, you know, Kevin Karani, right, back in the day. Players that you know get, get Raul. Um, you know we have we have Klasian Huntelar as sort of a talismanic figure for a number of years, and there's really been no one that's been. And we go from that to you know to Franco DeSanto. I mean it's just it's. I'm just saying like, like it's, we we haven't been able to replace that presence. Yeah, of course Torada, you know legendary second division figure had that incredible season. Um, but you know we, we look, you know, who we're dealing with yeah. now. I mean it's 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 still Torada. It's it's Sebastian Polter. It's it's just like yeah the, 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 we haven't had those guys. Uh, Hari was maybe, you know, that a light in the darkness for a bit in terms of a midfield spark, somebody that could create some offense, but there hasn't been enough around them um, consistently uh, and it hasn't been cohesive enough. Yeah, it's been it's been frustrating. I mean, and I think, like, shop fans don't even necessarily demand that. Um, I feel like we're happy getting results other ways. I mean, I think we're okay with those kind of things, but um, every once in a while, man, it'd be nice. And that's part of why the second division was yeah. so fun the first time we were down there is because – it was like, hey, we don't want to be here. This is a bad situation. The club really needs to bounce back and find some success. But like at the same time, we had a fucking striker again. Like, excuse my language, that like, you know could, could bang some goals. And well, you hadn't forgot had to mention so, the awesomeness um, that was um, Kevin yeah, Prince it, Boateng. It'd be nice I forgot if we his could, name. If we could so, find some of that, um, and then maybe some of that starts. Uh, getting, uh, getting <laughs> some um, prospects so, coming. Um, um, so you know, let's talk about this season people. then, real quick. So uh, obviously, another inauspicious start for Schalke. Um, they do get a win last weekend, <laughs> and. I saw at halftime. I think they were. Uh, did they win today in the cup? Okay, extra time. Okay, that's that. Okay, so I was uh, at halftime. Is the last time I saw a score, but uh, lost in extra time. So um, they're out of the relegation no, zone right time. now in the second. I believe. I think you guys are in sixteenth, or you're in the relegation. Yeah, you're in the relegation spot. Sorry, you would not go directly down. So I think you play Ulm right now. Which my entire adult life, Ulm has been like an amateur club, which is just weird to see them in the third. Sixteen. Um, where does it? Where does yeah. it go from here? Where do you guys? Uh, obviously, Jack, you saying that they, Schalke in the third tier is just unimaginable for me. Like, like this, this right now seems very hard to believe, but that would be unimaginable. That that's. But you know, uh, three time German, three time Bundesliga champions, Kaiser Slaughter have have made that journey themselves to the third tier. Uh, it's it's not something that's out of the poss- realm of possibility because I've I've seen Kaiser Slaughter in the last quarter century playing in Europe and I've seen them playing in the third tier of German football. It's 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 and that's a really dark place to be. Ask 1860 Munich. They've been down there for a while. So what 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 is do you think? I, I know you guys just made another managerial change a couple weeks ago. What is the path going forward for the Royal Blues of German football? <laughs> It's really one of two things. Either A, we stabilize and find a way to either get promotion or be nah. back in the hunt to be relevant. Yeah. Or if we drop to the Dritte Liga, you could look at the, the absolvency of the club because I don't know financially if we can handle that kind of you know that kind of disaster. It'll be detrimental to German football, but also, more in particular Schalke. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Kaiserslautern, even though they went down there, they went through something similar. I think then they go through bankruptcy and had to get a new owner or something like that effect. Because they have to restabilize. You have to. It's, it's a big, huge financial hit, especially if you have a huge stadium, as Kaiserslautern did, as Schalke do. Um, so I think, you know, if they were, if we were to go down, I think that would be detrimental. But I think we made the move. It just, whatever reason, you know, as good as Rice was for us last season, it just, this year, it wasn't clicking. Uh, you thought going to a, a division like the Svaiti Liga, which is slightly, slightly easier in the sense that you don't have the Byrons and, and the Dortmunds of the world. Um, it's still a difficult league, and it seemed like the players it just wasn't clicking for whatever reason. We were in the relegation zone, and so something had to be done. It just you couldn't wait till the the winter pause, and so they made the move. And in an atypical shock of fashion, they went for someone who we haven't seen over the last ten years, where typically went for the safe German bet. Uh, and if it was someone that took a chance with, it was a German German coach or someone who had German nationality. Karel Garats is not that; he's Belgian. 
uh, doesn't even speak the language. Uh, but what he does is bring winning mentality at USG, uh, um, FC Union saint julis in, in Belgium. He got a team from the second division. With, you know, he was as, as assistant coach and then eventually coach. And they got to second place that first year in promotion. They stayed up there. They went to the semifinals of the of their league, um, the French tournament. Uh, it's a really good team. And they played attractive football. And the fact that Shaka went for the anti-Shaka signing is saying that, hey, we're trying anything. We're desperate at this point. And hopefully it clicks. The first friendly was fantastic. Got a 4-1 result. It's a friendly, mm-hmm. but it's against Heracles, who's a decent Eredivisie side. First game against Karlsruhe, not optimal, losing 3 nothing. Looked just the same as we did under Rice, but uh, the last game we had won 3-1, uh, 3-2 against Hanover. And then we went against St. Pauli, who's the top of the league, uh, who hasn't even had a loss this year. We t- had the lead at halftime, like you said. Uh, they got, a, they got right. a late goal and then went to extra time. They had a nice goal. Chaka clicked off for like one second. They get the game winner in, in, in overtime, and yeah, th- that's all she said. But at least there was fighting that. The last couple of weeks, we've seen more fight from Shaka than we had all season long. So hopefully it's a positive. But like I said, there's only two ways it can go. It's either we stabilize with new manager and have a chance for promotion or we drop away into obscurity. I mean, who knows what happens if we rattle off a few wins. But I think given how the season started, where we are on the table and what's realistic, like I think our best, our most optimistic kind of path forward is, you know, climb the table, have a good finish to the season. Um, establish something with the new manager and then kind of retool and try to, you know, be ready for next season to attack it from the beginning, hopefully with some continuity at the manager position um, and, and a much stronger performing team. Um, I think part of the problem with, with, with Schalke, like, you know, when you, when you start following the second division is, um, you know, you start firing managers and it's like, who can you even attract? Um, who can we afford, but who can you even attract? I mean, you're, you're sitting like, you know, in the relegation zone of the second division with, with not a particularly good squad. Why mm-hmm. is the coach going to want to waltz into that position? Sure. willingly? Um, and I think what we've seen is that, you know, rightly or wrongly, um, the Schalke job still has a little bit more shine than you might expect given our circumstances because of the brand. Um, and so you have, you have a guy, we got lucky with a guy like, you know, uh, you know Karen Harrod, so who, who's, um, you know, based on what he's done in a, in a limited, you know, window here, but based on what he's done, you would expect him to have a job somewhere. And he wasn't re-signed at USG and was available. And we somehow are able to bring him in. This guy that made a nice run in Europe, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, um, I, I think, you know, how's it going to work out? We'll have to wait and see, but at least he's coming in um, and, and speaking very plainly and directly and not being afraid to address the problems. And, you know, not calling players out and, you know, throwing them under the bus, but like letting people know when there's an issue and when things aren't good enough. And, um, you know, trying to instill a winning mentality back in the team, which is part of the biggest issue over the past few seasons, just the culture and the negativity and that cloud that's constantly hanging over Schalke and the squad that makes it so difficult to, to be positive and to be confident. And, so it's interesting, Richard, you so, mentioned the world insolvency, um, you know, days, and but, you know, that's, a, that's a word uh, that you know, so if you take, if, if you look at the last, um, I'd say 30 years of German football, right. and you take like a top five, like the top five clubs, it's obviously, you have to say Schalke, Bayern, Dortmund, uh, probably mm, maybe Stuttgart, Kaiserslautern, Leverkusen's in there somewhere. Uh, but those, but the, the besides Leverkusen and Schalke, they've all won championships, and, and Schalke has won championships historically. When Dortmund faced insolvency, it was of all clubs Bayern Munich that came to their aid, um, because you're talking about a former Champions League winner, 1997, one of the greatest squads in German football history, um, won the Champions League, did it all, and five years later they were basically going to go financially under. And Bayern Munich, their arch rivals from the south. Ended up ended up solved, uh, saving them. So I would think that if it ever came to that for Schalke, there's too much history, too much prestige, that some something or someone would not let that happen. And even 1860 Munich, who were facing similar situations about four years ago, they just took a hit and went down to the fourth tier and said, "We'll come back up." Like I can't imagine a world. I mean, outside it was inima- unimaginable for them to be in the third tier. It's 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 a whole different solar system to not even be in existence. So don't you think that something would happen before that step is taken? <laughs> yep. Yeah. 
For sure. I, I think so. And I, I think also Shaka helped out Dortmund at that time, too. People don't talk about that. They talk about Bayern, but Shaka, I think, do it as well. I do think, I mean, we obviously saw the state come in and help with the 40 million loan. Um, but it's going to be, it's going to be dire things where a lot of things have to change. Um, I mean, people are already, we're in a, in a time where everyone always said it's a 50 plus one, 50 plus one, and that's it. Now people are like, well, we need money. So we don't want Tonys, but. We'll consider other things possibly depending on how it goes. So people are, you know, when you get down to that that position, you're going to have to think differently. Uh, and ho- you're going to hope you get money from, you know, your friends somewhere along the way. But things will have to change. You can't keep doing things the way you always have because if you do, you're just going to be stuck in that in that place like 1860 is. Uh, and so hopefully you never gets to that point. I hope you don't have to ask your friends for help. But I think, you know, you would have friends that come out and say, hey, this is a historic club. We have to help them out. It's just better for the league if if they're if they're relevant, you know. If you if you keep them down in obscurity, it's not going to do anything. Once Kaiserslautern eventually gets back up to the Bundesliga, whenever that is, it's going to be a better place, right? Well, obviously, Zach, also the uh, one final question: the world too, Do you think? Pauli, so. um, yeah, I, I, I hopefully Shaka never gets that point. But I think, first, yeah, you're Jack, right. What, do you think the fifty help, plus one rule helps or hurts German football? Well, prices are low because fifty plus one, right? So it's so it's always saying that you can um, go, you can take the family yeah, out to the ballpark. It depends or, on what you're, you know. But I argue you can also do that in the Braves value. game, even though the you know, like um, the World Champions two years ago, if you sit in the nosebleed, you can do it. I see, I see families do it all the time. Uh, the uh, the other, in all seriousness, I know that that's part of it, right? The fan experience, but also you're you're kind of seeing where. It seems like in the last 10 years, especially with 50 plus one, the only club that really gets past consistently the group of 16 in the Champions League is Bayern. You see Dortmund stop there. You see Schalke stop there. Leverkusen will get out. Then they'll stop there. Wolfsburg is the exception to that when they had uh, Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, I mean, how can you not, right? But even they were susceptible. uh, Huh? Yeah, it's a fun team, but they, you know, Real Madrid got them. I mean, you know, like that, that was, that was, you know, they, they replaced him with a, 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 a Schalke, a Schalke graduate himself and uh, Julian Draxler, um, who went to Wolfsburg and then went on to other things. But um, my, my question in that would be what I value is, I guess, German competitiveness, like in terms of having someone else other than Byron win the league and also having these clubs like, Say an investor wanted to come in, you know, and and say I'm going to pump in, you know, 500 million into Schalke or or, or whatever. I want to make Dortmund where they they are now uh, uh, right there with Bayern, not just like last season, but every season. Or somebody says Mercedes Benz says we're going to go all in on Stuttgart and just pump the money into them. I mean, so that's I, I guess uh, that's where I'm saying is like I I have this um, I have this fear that German football is kind of being left behind on the international scene. Despite, I know the fact, Frankfurt won the Europa League a couple of years ago, but I think that was an anomaly. When you look at it in the last 10 years, it's always Bayern, Bayern, Bayern in the Champions League. And these, these like the Wolfsburgs of the world, the Leipzigs of the world, they're good enough to get to the, to the, to the round of 16, but that's where they top out. You guys included against Man City. Um, was that 7-2 was one of those matches? 7-2, I think, was the final. And that's, that's not being competitive at that point. That's just, I mean, that's just Pep Guardiola like playing with you. So. My my question is: Do you think it hurts German football from a competitive standpoint? Yeah. 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 And so, yeah, with with, with that clarification, that's, that's what I mean in terms of what do you value. So, if what we're valuing it is, um, you know, we love German football, we care about the brand, and we want to root for those those clubs and support them on a European stage. Then yeah, I think it, I think it's hurting it, and that's not to say that there aren't going to be off years where where Dortmund has a particularly strong squad and is going to be able to make a run, uh, or some of these other teams can can make some noise here and there. But I do think, generally speaking, you're correct. It, it's Bayern, and that's because Bayern's the only team uh, in the Bundesliga ultimately that isn't a selling club. Uh, Dortmund's a selling club, even with all their success and everything. They still have been. I mean, like they don't they don't retain these guys. You know, where's Jaden? Well, Jaden Sanchez is going to be going? at Dortmund again soon. Right? Um, where's Erling Holland? <laughs> not at Dortmund. Um, and if they were able to hold on to these guys, then maybe it'd be a different conversation. Sure. But currently they're not. And um, yeah, to the extent that, yeah, perhaps it hasn't worked out. But you know, you know, you know what I'm saying in terms of like, you know, guy reaches his peak and he's, he's going elsewhere. He's not staying there. Um, I, I, and so, yeah, I mean, I think obviously 51, 50 plus one plays, plays a role in that. And if you, 
is it the only solution? Perhaps not, but I think, yeah, I think it would probably help on that standpoint. It's just a question of, um, do you, do you value more, uh, the kind of the current state of the culture in German football? And are you concerned about, you know, what, what eliminating some of those bedrock rules would do for that culture and turn us into something where, Hey, yeah, maybe we're more competitive, but have we, have we lost what made us care about this division in the first place? And it's not an easy question to answer. And I, and I think I respect both sides of that conversation. Um, I don't think anyone's crazy for feeling one way or the other, um, especially as an outsider in the U.S. I, I have less of a stake in it, obviously. But um, uh, I think the fact that we're even having this conversation Richard, what do you think? to the, the passion that people have for German football as it is currently and um, sort of the unique space that it's carved out uh, amongst sort of your, uh, Europe's top five leagues, if you want to phrase it in that way. Uh, and it, yeah, and I, I agree with Jack. And I think, you know, there are already teams in the in the Bundesliga who have already kind of broken the 50 plus one, right? There's obviously Bayern. There's also Stuttgart with with the Mercedes Benz, as you mentioned, Leverkusen with the with the Bayer uh, brand behind them, uh, Hoffenheim, Leipzig, obviously with a uh, Rasenball Sport, right? Uh, we know it's Red Bull. So there are teams that are finding ways to do this, but they're sticking within the means, or they're sticking behind the tradition still to an extent. Uh, unless you ask about Leipzig, the other the rest of fans say no. Even even the Bayern fans say no, right? But uh, I think to Jack's point, I think you know what it's what do you value? And if it's you know you want to keep yeah. it to this tradition thing, great, keep doing it. And if you can find a way to get talented years and and find ways to to play well, great. But you know to compete in this world, money you have to compete, right? Um, just just to compete in the Bundesliga alone, you need to have some more money. If, otherwise, you're just going to be Everyone's going to be saying, saying the sucks and stuck in the same positions. If occasionally you have the Freiburgs, the Union Berlins of the world that'll come up and do this fantastic thing, but then they go back down. Freiburg, to their credit, have, have held it for the last, you know, five years or so. But money eventually is what speaks with everything. And no, you don't want to have someone come in here and a foreign investor and putting all this money and changing the whole identity of the club. And you lose that, you lose that, 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 that connection with the club and, and the prices go up as a result, right? Uh, same thing I know here with the Penguins. You know they went to Stanley Cup back to back Stanley Cups in recent years, and prices went up. to you know cheap seats were in the hundred plus. You know which is ridiculous at this point. So it's, it, I understand why the fifty plus one is so important. But again, it's oh, unless yeah. you have yeah. a team, mm-hmm. uh, a team that whose owner has some stability with money that is part of the fifty plus one. You know, for a while we did have Clemens Tony. Yeah. He did have money. He did have money, right? But you know he got. But he couldn't get out of his own way, right? And eventually he had to go because his, you know, his. I'm not gonna go there, but he had to go. Uh, so, but unless you have someone like that, you really gotta find some other means. And I don't know. It, we'll see what happens with Schalke and and the rest of the Bundesliga. But uh, yeah, it's certainly a, a debate. It can go either way. And like Jack, I see both sides of it. And like you said, we're we're from the outside looking in. But um, there's certainly valid points. To both sides I, I of can, it for sure. So that, I guess I'll, I understand when they say they fight wholeheartedly saying they want to fit the first one. I also from, see the point of Newcastle supporter, getting an investor and then getting really a little bit of like money and, and, and right getting out of your, right? your own way. So you're in the Champions you know, League. Difficult. The season before that, you were almost relegated. In one season, you go from relegation almost to the Champions League. And I can, I have daydreams as a Nuremberg supporter to be like, wow, wouldn't it be nice to, to actually compete with Bayern twice a year go to the Allianz Arena, steal a point, take them to the Frankenstadion, win three points. Yeah, that's a nice, that's, that, I, but that can't happen without some Qatari coming over and pumping in 500 mil into Nuremberg. That's just not going to happen. They're not going to get it with, no, no pun intended, but the guy's name is actually Nuremberger. They're not going to get it with players like that playing for them. And they're also, as you and I, Richard, have talked about before, Nuremberg was a little bit of a feeding academy to Schalke when you guys were on top and we were in the second tier. So it's, it's, you know, there's, there is a friendly relationship between the two clubs. Now they're enemies in the second tier, but I, I, I see it from the fan perspective, but then also I'm like, it would be as a, as a, as a football rom- romantic, you would like want to see some of these other clubs like Kaiser Slaughter and like these, like the Karlsruhe's Nuremberg, you want to ham- even Hamburg, you know, you want to see them, I guess it's the table of my childhood, like that table, like 92, 93, I have nostalgia for that t- for that table, and you guys were included in that. And but also with Starbrooken, I mean, they're just that's okay. Like that's just probably never going to happen. But I'm sure Starbrooken supporters would love to have you know um, Etihad Airways come in and pump in pumping some money into Starbrooken. You know, so I see both sides like you do. Um, I know that a lot of people are like I don't want to pay 
50 bucks for a Braves ticket when it used to be 25, but that's what you get when you win the World Series. And, you know, that's unfortunately in English football when, you know, City wins a treble, ticket prices are going to go up. That's just, that. that's the name of the game. Germany has not fallen victim to the yet because of how things are. But Richard, as you point out, you know, Leipzig follows the 51 plus, 50 plus one rule like we all know they do, right? I mean, they have a, I think they have like a five member board and they all are with Red Bull. Yeah, so... <laughs> So, you know, but guys, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, I, have, I have thoroughly enjoyed it, catching back up with you two and talking about, about your club. And um, it's a club that Red I Bull. wish all the success <laughs> in the world to. I want to see him back up. And, you know, it's, it's, I, I know it's a tough period right now, but um, I think that I, I, at the very least, I think that they'll stabilize and we'll have a solid second tier season. But I do, I, I do hope for a quick rebound, and I hope to see him back up there playing with Bayern and Dortmund and Schalke and Stu, uh, the Stuttgart and Leverkusen uh, very, very shortly. Yeah, you got it, man. Anytime. All right, well, guys, have a great night, and I'll talk to you soon. Fingers we, crossed. We appreciate right. the, uh, the emotional and moral support. We certainly need it at times. Uh, thanks again to Jack Mangan and Richard Carmen for coming on to Beckham's Basement to discuss the situation at Schalke Neufia. And I hope everyone had a, a, a good lesson to be learned from this as to what can happen when funds are mismanaged, players uh, are sold for little to no fees, um, bad reinvestments are made, and scouting goes to the wayside. Uh, Schalke is uh, actually uh, a little bit on parallel with Lyon because they – Lyon had a had the best youth academy in France at one time, and Schalke was undisputed. They were the undisputed kings of German football in terms of uh, their their youth academy. Um, they've produced uh, a number of national team players: Manuel Neuer, Benedict Hovid has come to mind, Leon Goretzka, uh, Leroy Sané, all from the Schalke youth academy. Fantastic players, and I'm leaving out a lot more. But uh, Ralf Amann uh, was also at, at Schalke, so you know he's. Obviously not one of the bigger names, but he was still a, a prominent figure in the last decade uh, after Manuel Neuer left in goal for them. So when that kind of stuff happens, bad reinvestments are made like Breil and Bolo, those kind of players, um, yeah, things can things can go uh, down south quickly. So, um, yeah, I hope everyone enjoyed it. And, uh, again, I, I want to thank my two guests. And I hope that Schalke has a speedy recovery and moves up the second Bundesliga table quickly and gets back to where they belong in the first Bundesliga. So until next time, thank you very much for listening, and we're out.